0: If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. This is the official
1: Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes.
0: He's got it! Touchdown, Jack Doyle!
1: And he's going to be brought down inside the 15,
0: and it's going to go to DeForest Buckner. Huge hole! He's at the 30! He's going to go! 10-10!
1: From the Power Home Solar Studio, let's get the podcast started. Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Colts Official Podcast presented by WinBet, proud sports partner of the Indianapolis Colts. Betting as a team sport, bet together at WinBet. I'm JJ Stankovitz, keeping the hosting chair warm for Jeffrey Gorman this week, and I'm joined by Lara Overton and Casey Vallier to talk all things Colts on this episode. You can follow Lara on Twitter. At Lara Overton. Casey is at C Valier Colts, and I'm at JJ Stankovitz. We're coming to you a little bit later today because of the NFL's 4 p.m. trade deadline. We just wanted to make sure that there was nothing happening on the Colts front. There was not. The Colts did not make a trade today, but we wanted to stay ready in case something did happen. Anyways, gang, let's get into this podcast and start off with a bit of a bit of a recap here on the Colts' 34-31 overtime loss to the Tennessee Titans. And Lara I wanted to get your perspective on this to start us off. Since you were on the sidelines on Sunday, what was your sense of just the wild swings and momentum that happened throughout that game, whether it was the Colts going up 14 to nothing or Tyquan Lewis having the interception and then fumbling it away and then A.J. Brown scoring a touchdown right after it and kind of how the Colts handled just a, a really wacky game of football on Sunday at Lucas Oil Stadium?
2: It felt like in the second half, the Colts just could not find any offensive rhythm, really any rhythm across the board. They never felt like that they totally settled in after giving up that 14-point lead. And you mentioned the Taekwon interception. And to me, as soon as that happened, I was like, this is that big takeaway. This is where you take control. You know, Tennessee had scored uh, to bring it within a seven-point game. And I was like, yes, you need the big takeaway. Like, what better way to get everybody on the bench up and on their feet than when you get a D lineman interception, right? Like, it was such a jolt when you saw everybody, like, leap off of the bench um, getting ready to go. And then it was so quickly went to not even so much the devastation of, obviously, the fumble being recovered by Tennessee, it was, oh my God, the severity of this injury that Taekwon has just sustained. I mean, guys dropped to a knee immediately. Taekwon is an immensely tough human being. And when he was just writhing in pain and you saw about four members of the medical staff just surrounding him and the way that he was grasping that knee, it was obviously like the immediate concern for his health and safety and and everything that had transpired and what this means for a guy who has endured so much adversity. And then the ramifications of this being now a Tennessee first down. And I talked to Kenny Moore, the second after it, and he said, you know, before the injury, that was one of the highlight plays of the game. He said, I figured that we would have gotten the ball back. He said, I understand the call, but he said, even if Taekwondo fumbled it, I thought George was right there to clean up and recover it and she came away with it (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, which i I, i'm still confused how we never saw a replay we never there was i mean i i I was shocked they never went to the booth to confirm whether or not who had the football but that that was odd to me but but i want to kind of piggyback on something before the injury how about the presence of mind about matt eberflus Deciding to let Tyquan drop back in coverage, which I'm mm-hmm. sure is something that Tennessee never saw on film. I don't, mm-hmm. I can't remember last time I saw Tyquan Lewis drop drop back in coverage. And I mean, to be right there, it, it's hard because you know, hindsight's always 2020. 20. You know, if if he doesn't catch that, if if he does, I'm not trying to be mean here, but what a lot of defensive linemen do if a ball is thrown to him, if it falls off his hands, the Colts do get the football because it was third down. Right, it was third so down. So it, it was just such, I mean, such a gut punch because of. All the positives, all into one thing that ended up being such a a huge momentum swing, and then the next play. I mean, you see the 57-yard touchdown to
1: AJ Brown. It was tough. Unfortunately, for that, the you know, hearing from Titans players after the game, AJ Brown said that was the moment that really swung momentum in Tennessee's favor. And Casey, I think that's that's such a it's such a good point that Tyquan Lewis. The, he made a great play to catch that ball. Defensive linemen not really known for their ball skills. Right. Um, although I bet Grover Stewart would probably say might he, <laughs> yeah, he something would, to say yeah. about that. <laughs> but that, you know, yeah, it's like, unfortunately, if he just does what a lot of D linemen would do in that situation, the, this this might be a different outcome. But you right. certainly cannot fault Taequann Lewis for making a play and trying to do something with it. The thing I loved about that play, and Bill Brooks and I talked about it on our podcast right after the game, was he, Matt Aberflues dialed that blitz that he dialed up, man, with Darius Leonard over the A-gap, George Odom coming off the edge, and Tyquan Lewis dropping into coverage. Odom hit home on that blitz, Right. and Tannehill was under so much pressure, he just threw it up, kind of hoped, didn't see Lewis there. That, though, if you're looking at something that long-term gives me some some hope about this Colts team, even though they're 3-5, and five, these these blitzes that Matt Eberflus has been dialing up lately they have been hitting home and they have been doing some really good things with them. Oh, agree. I think I my mean,
2: concern is that you you hold Derrick Henry to whatever hit, I can't I don't even know I don't have the numbers in front of 68 me but like yards. You, 68 yards 68 yards on 28 contain, carries, yeah. I mean, come on. And then the one guy you can't stop. You have one receiver, literally one receiver to worry about out there because there is no Julio Jones. A.J. Brown is your big factor. You know that's where they're going, and he absolutely diced you up. You had no answer on the edges, and as good as other things were in that game, that is a glaring concern with this Colts secondary.
1: So, Casey, I want to throw this one to you. You've you've listened to all the interviews the Colts have given this week. You you've been in the building. How do the Colts move on from this? Now, at 3 and 5, the Titans are at 6 and 2. Yes, the Titans are going to be without Derrick Henry for a long time, maybe the rest of the season with that foot injury. But you're you're effectively four games behind the Titans right now with them holding the tiebreaker. How have you sensed the Colts move on from this game this week? I think it's a it's
0: it's hard to say that they're going to be able to move on, but I think the perfect storm is that you play on Thursday, so you really can't sulk. you, you got to move on because whether you like it or not, the Jets are going to be here on Thursday, and they're coming off a huge win. I mean, they beat the Bengals. A guy named Mike White, who I didn't even know played quarterback in the NFL, throws for 405 yards and three touchdowns and beats a team that is coming off – A road win in Baltimore where everybody was crowning Baltimore as the best team in the AFC and then all of a sudden this last week it's maybe Cincinnati's the best team in the AFC and then they lose to the Jets so this Jets team has a little bit of energy coming in on Thursday so if if the Colts at all are overlooking this or if they're still kind of looking back on what could have been on Sunday the the Jets are there to take it And, and I don't think this team is the kind that's going to do that I mean you heard Darius Leonard talk about it like yeah, it sucks. I hate this feeling that I have, and every single day I'm reminded of it. But at the end of the day, Thursday's going to get here, and the Jets are going to be in town, and you got to put your best foot forward. So I think part of it, being able to move on, is the fact that you've got a short week, and you really don't have time to look back on it. But then I think also, like you said, in the back of their minds, that notion that, hey, you know, their bell cow, the, the, the thing that is Tennessee's identity in Derrick Henry might be gone for the rest of the season – It could take them a little while to kind of get back in stride, whether or not you know they figure out that that Tannehill's got to go more for an aerial attack, or I know they signed Adrian Peterson, maybe that's the guy that's going to slide in there. But they've got a pretty tough schedule looking here the next four or five weeks, and the Colts have two you know back-to-back games. You look on paper and you say they should win those two, so there's a real good possibility that in in two weeks this Colts team is five and five taking on a a Titans team that honestly could lose their next two. So, I mean, it's a completely different story. We could be talking about in a couple weeks, but I think it is going to be tough that you're always going to look back and and look at it as a what if, but, you know, there are a lot of other circumstances around it that kind of give you a little bit more hope saying, all right, we can get this out of our minds and get a win on Thursday, and then you kind of kick your feet up and, and watch what happens on Sunday night when the Titans play, and you see what they have without Derrick Henry.
1: Larry, to kind of piggyback off of that, you asked Darius Leonard about not overlooking the Jets in this game. Uh, what kind of answer did you get? What kind of vibes have you got from the Colts this week talking now looking ahead to this Jets game?
2: Oh, he said this is certainly a team that you cannot look past because I, I didn't even have to finish this sentence. You know, he he said he set it up by saying, hey, they're coming off this win over the Bengals. And then when I set it up to him, I said, you know, their two wins are coming against the Bengals. He goes, and Tennessee. I mean, he knew exactly mm-hmm. where I was going is that those two wins are very high quality, you know, wins that you can boast about. And he said, it's the NFL. You can't overlook any team there. There are many blowouts in the NFL. Things are pretty closely contested. It's usually maybe a, a one one score game in these type of situations. And. He said, you know, everyone has great athletes. Everyone does a great job of game planning. And you have to come in and make sure that you're firing on all cylinders, regardless of what the record shows. We have to be locked in and understand what they're trying to do offensively. You know, his, of course, speaking from the defensive perspective and make sure we can find a stop that. I mean. You know, Mike White sounds like the guy you show up at your high school reunion who you don't remember. <laughs> and you're like, I graduated with this guy. You know, Mike White. Just, yes. Mike White. Hey, buddy. Mike White. Yeah. <laughs> heck. Uh, junior year. Nice Great <laughs> to see you. Oh, you so know?
0: well done. Like,
2: So <laughs> that's, that's one. Of, and he, the guy threw for three touchdowns and over 400 yards. Like, oh, my God. Like, you can't overlook this guy. Um, so uh, they do have weapons. They are coming in incredibly motivated to spoil What is a huge affair in Indianapolis, your first primetime game in four years that you are hosting. Uh, You have split decisions on what you've done thus far this season in primetime. We don't have to revisit Monday night in Baltimore, but hey, Sunday night football in San Francisco, you put on a heck of a show in just... Ridiculous conditions. And Michael Pittman emerged as one of the young NFL stars for you in that game. As he has continued to do, that's been a progression, not just a one game instance. But I think that certainly was a game that put him more so um, on a national radar. Now you get to do it again. You have a third primetime opportunity in this port to this point of the season, your first one at home, first home primetime game since 2017. You need to go out and I do not even not even make a statement because this isn't a statement type of win. This isn't a, a win over a 2020 playoff team or anything like that. This is a team that you have to go out and prove that you are better than.
1: So a couple things to go here as we look ahead to this Jets game, Lara, I'm glad you brought up the previous two primetime games just for this reason. Jonathan Taylor told us that he and Michael Pittman Jr. kind of like psyched themselves up before these games being like, hey man, Primetime players make primetime plays. Jonathan Taylor in primetime this year, 33 carries for 160 yards, six catches for 119 yards, three total touchdowns. Michael Pittman Jr. in primetime, 10 catches, 194 yards, two touchdowns, both of which he just like mossed a cornerback into <laughs> 1998. I mean, the, the Colts primetime players have stepped up in these games. Uh, Darius Leonard has made a big impact in both of them. You know, the these are the games where guys, frankly, that this is where you earn a Pro Bowl bid is in these games. One hundred percent. And you're you're seeing it with guys like Taylor and Pittman and the defense that's tied for the NFL lead in takeaways. One one other thing here, though, guys, and and I want to throw this at you. I didn't put this in our rundown kind of intentionally because I knew I was going to write about it, and I didn't want you guys to cheat. Oh. This is going to replace the trivia segment we usually do at the end of the episode. Last Colts primetime home game. December 14th, 2017 against the Denver Broncos. Only seven players who participated in that game are still with the team. Mm-hmm. Give me some names. Who do you think, T. Y. Who do you think is on the T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Okay. Hilton.
2: Jack Ryan Doyle. Kelly. Ryan, Kelly. Ryan Kelly
1: did not play in that game. Okay. okay.
2: Jack Doyle uh, is,
1: is another one. Uh,
2: so Jack and T.Y. are both are both two of those right two of yep. the seven um and this is 2017 okay so I'm thinking back oh uh Marlon Mack
1: Marlon Mack is the, the, uh, the third one
2: um Zach Paschal
1: Zach Paschal is not on the list
2: okay he may not come in till 18 I can't remember yeah when he Zach didn't come is. in until 18 okay so I was trying to wow. think of how far um so, Rigo Sanchez
1: Rigo Sanchez. Okay. Luke Rhodes. Luke Rhodes. Yep. We're missing two guys, both on defense. Both on defense. Um, Kenny Moore. Grover Stewart. Yep. You got them both. Kenny Moore, by the way, was wearing 42 in that game. Oh, okay. That is how far back we are going since the NFL last had a
2: Vendejo (laughs) number.
1: Yeah, right. (laughs) Exactly. That's how far back we're going since the NFL last had a primetime game in Indianapolis. Um, it's kind of weird, right? Grove, like the Col- Big
2: Grove is the other one that was his big rookie. Year? Big
1: Grove is the other one. Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's wow. a list: T. Y. Hilton, Kenny Moore, Jack Doyle, Rigo Sanchez, Luke Rhodes, Marlon Mack, and Grover Stewart. Seven players. If you want to wow. look at how much turnover happens in the NFL, yeah, I mean obviously, but Ryan Ryan was Kelly on was the
2: Ryan Kelly was on the team.
1: Kelly was he on the team. He not just play. did not play. Play okay. in that game. Okay,
2: yep. Got it.
1: That's how long it's been. Jeez. I mean, that is just. That's wild. Like the Colts have been a playoff team twice, and they've played on primetime eight times since then. Every single time has been on the road, meaning the Colts get back at three o'clock, four o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock, whenever it is in the morning. Um, Darius Leonard said today, "Hey, it's it's kind of nice that like we'll get to go home after the <laughs> right. and get some sleep." This just the 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 spectacle that Thursday night football is, and we're gonna have Colleen Wolf from NFL Network on here in a bit to kind of talk through this game, to talk about primetime in Indianapolis and some other some other topics, but to to get this spotlight on Indianapolis for the blue out and everything, I mean, this is, this is cool. This is a cool situation, and if you're listening to this and you don't have tickets, go get them. Go get these tickets because this is going to be a fun night on Thursday.
2: Well, yeah, you can – you know, I, I'm going to say the boss is probably going to be understanding. If you're like, hey, I'm clocking out around 2 or so, I'm going to head over to tailgate <laughs> around maybe 3 or Six 4. Six and a half hour hours of tailgating. You. Lara's <laughs> got your note. I mean, <laughs> yeah, She'll
0: I sign mean, it for she, you. She, you're good.
2: Absolutely. If you need the excuse <laughs> note, I got you. You're covered. I'll get you – you know i can get you out of class early i used to do it for my sisters uh in high school don't tell my mom who worked at the high school i don't know how we pulled that out where
1: mom is listening to this podcast <laughs> she's know. sorry
2: i'm sorry sandy we didn't cause any trouble we're all we're yeah, yeah <laughs> But, no, I think it's a it's a fantastic atmosphere. We need to look at the weather. Um, you know, I my meteorological days, I retired from those after San Francisco. But now I'm going to look it up and see what the uh, conditions are. For Thursday this no, It's going to be awesome. No, I never in my life <laughs> do I ever want to speak the words bomb cyclone or atmospheric river storm. Uh, atmospheric to Jim river, Cantori. yeah. Uh, Jim Cantori <laughs> is all that I need. The only forecast um, – that I'm providing as a Hurricane Dio note from here moving forward. Ah, uh-huh, nice. Right. There it is. Here we go. Here we go. High of 68, low of 50 a.m. suns, p- a.m. clouds, p.m. sun. That's a glorious day. you can going to have a little wind, a little 11 miles per hour from the northwest. There you go, friends. I mean, doesn't get me better early November conditions than that. And one thing I talked to Coach Reich about this week was how does football feel different in the month of November? And he said, yeah, you get you get a little sense of urgency. I mean, you should have urgency the whole year, but you know, let's be honest, things really ramp up when you know you're in the back half of your year. This is when you have to make a definitive run to a playoff position if you are going to be one of those teams who's vying to play into January.
1: Real quick, before we bring on Colleen Wolf from NFL Network, T.Y. Hilton will not play on Thursday night. He has a concussion and... Kari Willis has a—he has an injury that Frank Reich said will probably keep him out as we're potting here on Tuesday. We do not have the final practice report. We don't have final injury designations for the game, but keep an eye out for that on Wednesday. Uh, we'll also see what the status of Quentin Nelson is. The The Colts had these walkthrough practices this week. That's really all you can do for Thursday night. Uh, and Quentin Nelson would not have practiced today. Based on the theoretical injury report, I don't know if you're confused by that. <laughs> this is just what happens on Thursday night. Yes, exactly. We're we're just relaying the information, and our great PR staff is doing the best they can. Shout out to Matt Conti, by the way, for wearing a uh, Ohio State jersey. Yeah, to... Paris Campbell game
0: worn jersey. Yeah,
2: <laughs> Paris Campbell. You are also guys. I'm fired from from uh, meteorology because I just went to my Weather Channel app and like pulled it up. Well, I was still on Santa Clara, California, so that was really wishful thinking for me. Here's the updated forecast for Indianapolis, Indiana. High of 49 and sunny, very light winds, low of 27, but we didn't get to see 27 until a long time after kickoff. So you're talking about probably right around 40 degrees in your tailgate and getting a crisp November air in central Indiana.
1: (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful day. All right. And hey, speaking of Matt Conti, we now extend a warm welcome on the Colts official podcast to Colleen Wolf, who is related to our own Matt Conte here at the Indianapolis Colts. Colleen does a great job on NFL Network. You can watch her on NFL Network coverage of Thursday night football this week and every week. Catch her on Goodnight, Good Morning Football Weekends, and follow her on Twitter at Colleen Wolf. She is also on Instagram at Colleen Wolf. Colleen, thank you so much for taking the time with us today.
2: It's great to be here. Yes, me and Matt Conti. We're still trying to figure out exactly how we're related, (laughs) but we are, in fact, related. So anything for family,
1: guys. (laughs) Exactly. Anything anything for family here with the Colts. Uh, So, Colleen, I want to start with this. When you look at the AFC, who's good?
2: You know, that's a great question, because coming (laughs) off of the Monday night game with the Chiefs and the Giants, Obviously, the Chiefs are nowhere near where they used to be. They're kind of just like a shell of themselves. And I feel like when I'm watching them, they just can't figure out their new reality, which is not dominant like they always were. So really, it's the Titans at the top. But then without Derrick Henry, you sort of have to correct it a little bit because I'm not sure – How that's going to affect them, it will obviously in a huge way because he's been such a massive part of that offense, especially when you look back years past in the playoff pushes and the playoff runs. He has been just the center of everything. And so they'll obviously use a ton of play action still, and the Titans have to go up against the Rams this week in L.A., which is not going to be easy, especially considering they just got Von Miller. But it's i think that this is it's a conference that's wide open it's nowhere near as packed as the nfc where you have all of these teams with one loss or just right there so uh, the colts they have a shot to make some noise it's just gotta it really depends on what happens with the titans colleen i'm so glad that you set that up perfectly because i was watching the show last thursday night as i am sure basically all of America was you guys had the matchup of Packers Cardinals, which was incredible. And in the pregame show, you guys had a really fun segment where you had the pumpkins of like your, you know, kind of contender <laughs> team. And I mean, you knew Joe Thomas was not going to knock out the Browns, right? As he's, Everyone's like hammering down all of the pumpkins and the Colts were not one of the teams that you guys like knocked out. What gives you confidence that, and of course you guys had, had yet to be able to see What happened on Sunday afternoon between Colts and Titans, which was a a massive game Uh in terms of AFC implications. What gives you confidence that there is that potential kind of coupled with all the parity there is in the AFC, but especially what gives you confidence here that the Colts might be able to make this November, late December type of run? Well, first, let me just say that Steve Smith stole my pumpkin. I was supposed to smash (laughs) the Panthers out of the playoff picture. And then he was going to go for the Panthers. Exactly. That was not the plan. He was supposed to knock out the Seahawks. And so I had a whole big thing planned. And then all of a sudden I was like, all right, cool. I guess, uh, I guess I'm going to go with the Seahawks because Geno Smith. So, and you obviously saw what happened. The Seahawks did not want to get smashed out of the playoffs because I could not take that sledgehammer successfully to the pumpkin. So, uh, it's fine. And I'm still recovering. My ego is very fragile and everything's going to be okay. But the Colts, I do, I, I do think that they have a great shot because of, I love this guy so much. I just, I'm so enamored with Jonathan Taylor and what he's been able to do in this offense. The fact that he's second in the NFL in rushing, and hes I honestly think he's been the most complete back in the league, averaging 5.5 yards per carry. He's averaged over 114 total yards per game. That's fourth in the NFL, so he has all of the numbers. We've seen him go over 100 scrimmage yards game Game after game after game, and I just think the way that he's able to catch the ball out of the backfield too, it really helps out. Especially when you have a guy like T.Y. Hilton, who now won't be available because of the concussion, and he's missed—I know that missed a ton of games—but it just feels like Jonathan Taylor can really be a pivotal part of this offense. And what what the Colts need because watching Carson Wentz, especially at the end of that game against the Titans, the last eight minutes, the two picks. There was just times where he was really pressing. And then that interception mm-hmm. in overtime where Jonathan Taylor was wide open. So if things just slow down a little bit, Take I the think check that down. Take the check down. down. I know. It, right? It's right there. It's right there. And then like the pick six and regulation on the screen pass. I just, these things could have been avoided. And I think that they were on, the Colts were on such a good track and Carson Wentz was playing really well. And so I'm going to just... I'm going to say this is a mulligan against a division rival. Weird things happen, and I have confidence that the Colts can still come around.
0: Well, that kind of brings me right into my next – my question for you. You you bring up Carson Wentz and a little bit of the issues we saw in the Titans game. Just kind of take it big picture. What have you seen from the reunion between he and Frank Reich to this point – And then kind of moving forward, if they can get over that step. And we we saw two games against the Titans where the first game, you know, Carson wasn't fully healthy. But in the second game, those are kind of his, you know, two games you look at that his worst performance of the year.
2: Yeah. And you look at this reunion and it's been up and down because the first three games of the season, they, they start winless. And one of those is against the Titans. So the fact that the Titans now have both wins uh, in terms of this division, I think that that's, it's tough, but I like what I've seen. Otherwise after those first three games of the season, I think Carson Wentz really started to find a rhythm and get comfortable and show that some of those mistakes that were going on in Philadelphia he could overcome. Now it's coming off of a game where he missed so many throws at 27 of 51. It was a really rough outing for him and then the interceptions that I just outlined when they really could have been avoided. The pick six in regulation it was right to Elijah Molden. So I think that against the Jets that Carson Wentz he has he'll have plenty of time in the pocket because of that lack of a pass rush and that the Jets have. So I think that that will help him because in those moments where he has time, you could see that he's comfortable and you can see that Frank Reich is doing everything he possibly can to put Carson Wentz in good positions to succeed. And I like the reunion. I think that it's worked. I don't know how Carson Wentz would have been in any other spot, but I think because of his familiarity with Frank Reich, I think things could be going in the right direction for him.
1: Colleen, you're a Philadelphia native. You spent a lot of time there working for Comcast Sportsnet, Fox 29. Um, I'm sure you still have a lot of family back in Philadelphia. When they ask you about Carson Wentz now, because it anytime we with the Colts put a tweet out about Carson Wentz that shows how well Carson Wentz has played this year, like you would think <laughs> we just like told everyone in Philadelphia that like Geno's Steak sucks. Like it is, <laughs> it, it, it's incredible. The response, like when, when people ask you with the knowledge you have of the NFL, how do you talk to them about Carson Wentz?
2: Well, I feel like you're asking me about my parents, um, because they <laughs> will sort of be like, Oh my God, do you see what he's doing? And blah blah blah. And why did we get rid of him? And now we have Jalen hurts. And so I tell everyone to just slow down, take a deep breath. The things that were going on in Philadelphia with Carson Wentz, they weren't good. And there was no coming back from that. I just, after watching Carson Wentz go through everything that he did last year, it was just to the point where... He was not going to be able to be put back together into that player that was successful in 2017, that had that MVP run. And it wasn't just his fault either in Philadelphia. There were so many other things, but of course, all of the blame goes on the quarterback. But we're talking about injuries upon injuries on the offensive line, the receivers, they weren't running the ball then either. And so it's all of this piles up. And really at the end of the day, Carson Wentz just needed to get out. And I think it was best for both sides. I wouldn't say both sides are thriving now, but at least they can move on. Colleen, I want to take it kind of big picture because one of the NFL storylines that has emerged is of course the consideration to move the combine outside of indianapolis and you know dallas no, and l.a i don't want it to happen this <laughs> is what you. i want to hear is like from your perspective like what are the things that indianapolis does so well as a host city for the combine but maybe what are the things that the league might be looking for that Indy could possibly maybe step up to make itself continuously desirable, or this is a loaded question, does it take going elsewhere and, and testing on the market to kind of appreciate what you have in in our fair little circle city? Don't ruin a good thing when you have it. I love the combine in Indianapolis. It, it's what makes the combine so great because it's a smaller city and everyone is together. You are all going to the same spots. You run into people all over the place. And the fact that This is just me being uh, a little soft now that I've left Philadelphia and I'm in L.A. I love that there's skyways and that there's tunnels everywhere. So I don't have to go outside when it's cold because I've been there so many times where it's snowing sideways and it's so cold and so windy. And by the way, what's going on with the temperature on Thursday? Can you guys help me out there with this? Is it like seriously going to be in the 20s at some point?
1: Yeah. It, it, yeah, we actually ready. just
2: watched this. I've, I've really been flexing my meteorological muscle here, Seawolf, because I have been watching all of this. This is what this is what that Sunday night game in uh, Santa Clara did. I've now been, like, on the forecast day in and day out. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be probably around kickoff, like, in the 40s. But we don't know that – I mean, I doubt that, like, the roof and the window are going to be open. With those type of conditions, it's probably going to be closed. So you don't really have to worry about it, like, on the field. So it's good. – I'm going to say – around like 40 degrees overnight will drop to like 28 but you should okay. be warm and snuggled in bed by that point. it's not The Arizona. problem is our pregame show is outside. It so is? This oh, no. is just me being I selfish. Be shield. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll have our postgame show on the field but pregame oh. we're outside, we're with the fans, we're in the cold. How many parkas should I wear? 12? Yeah, well, I got you, girl. If you get into town, and you don't have enough. You just call me. I'm nine miles from the stadium. <laughs> I will bring down additional garments and whatnot. Yeah, definitely. You're going to want a little jacket, maybe some gloves. Uh, yes, I, I need mean, no, all of that. No headwear, though, because you can't smash the good hair. But oh, the, thank I, you. In regards to apparel, though, you have incredible shoe game. serious shoe swagger. <laughs> How much in advance do you plan out? your shoe game per game. This has to be something that is is very well executed. You know, I wish that I could tell you that this has been planned for weeks and I am so organized that I know (laughs) automatically what I'm wearing. I don't even know, I leave tomorrow for Indianapolis. I think I leave my house at 6 a.m. to get to the airport. I still don't know what I'm wearing on Thursday Night Football yet. (laughs) So it's kind of a, you know, just see to your pants. I fly open the closet doors, I see what's inside and I pray that something will work, especially in conditions like that. However, I love Indy so much and speaking of shoes, the shoes that I am wearing right now, I just put them on. I have not put them on since the last Combine in Indianapolis. They're like one of my faves. And there are still all of the pellets from yeah. the field in there. <laughs> I can't nice. get them out of no. my shoes. It drives no. me crazy. It's like sand. It just sticks with you forever. No, and they're now attached <gasps> to my socks. They've gone through the washer everything. <sighs> yes. Wait, what are the shoes? Give us the details. And then I know Casey has a follow-up question. And then I'll get off of my, my shoe chat. They're they're wolf greys they're uh uh-huh. they're threes and mm-hmm. they they're one of my favorites so i hardly ever wear them and i just pulled them out today because i was just doing a light kind of office work today going into the office didn't have to do a ton of walking <laughs> so you can't get the crease in the shoes so, and you cannot yeah. crease them
1: well <laughs> rarely rarely does lara have competition for best shoes right. in exactly. the stadium, so she's so. got great shoes <laughs> <laughs> you, you got it now this what? week, Clara. You better bring it. I think
2: I, think I can't what wait. What... That's what we as petite girls do. We compensate for our lack of height with really good shoe game. <laughs> no question. That's exactly right. <laughs>
0: well, I'm gonna I'm gonna move off the shoe game for just a little bit and go. It's gonna go on the field. When you look at this Jets team coming off a huge win over the Bengals. This guy named Mike White, who we've talked about earlier in the podcast, who, who Lara essentially compared him to that guy at the high school reunion you forgot, went to your high school. And you're like, oh, yeah, Mike White. <laughs> what is there to know about Mike White and this Jets team?
2: But everything. Who knows anything about Mike White? He came out of nowhere. This is what a performance in his first career start on a team that looked like had absolutely no pulse whatsoever the the rest of the season prior and then he comes in and throws for over 400 yards he threw 45 times in that game three touchdowns and this is against a Bengals team that everyone was praising me included and specifically that defense so Mike White toasted them and honestly this makes that Joe Flacco trade look ridiculous at this point but <laughs> I'm just I was so impressed with his poise with his confidence and this what a performance by him Mike White he's a stud what can I say
1: (laughs) Mike White I mean throwing for over 400 yards like you said the Jets had 32 first downs against the Bengals but I want to ask you this because uh, it is 32 I mean those those chain guys got their steps in um (laughs) they they held Cincinnati though to 2.6 yards per carry Joe Mixon 14 carries for 33 yards. I mean, this wasn't just Mike White winning a game against a team that a lot of people have pegged to go to the playoffs. They played a pretty complete game, and we talked about this earlier in the podcast, Colleen. Where Lara today asked Darius Leonard like about not you know taking the Jets seriously, and she couldn't even get the words out of her mouth that they also beat the Titans. So right. what are we, what are we to make of the Jets? Where they have these two, they've slayed two playoff teams. Yet, we still look at them as the Jets.
2: Right. So, it's like they're spoilers, but also they're a little frisky. So, it's a team that you really can't count out, especially if this Mike White guy keeps doing things like he did the other night. And we heard from the head coach saying that anything is possible, talking about Mike White starting when Zach Wilson returns. So, Robert Sala... He's like, I'm sure that he was impressed with what he saw. And that has to do wonders for the locker room because this was an offense that had a season-high 511 total yards of offense at a clip of 6.6 yards per play. that They were moving. And then not to mention, even the rookie running back, Michael Carter, he was coming off off his best game, 15 for 77 yards in the score. He also caught the ball really well, too. So he he worked out as – a security blanket for Mike White. And you know, when he's running, he just makes a ton of guys miss. I just, I was really impressed with what I saw and I was really surprised. Like, honestly, I was shocked by this game.
1: Gonna be a hey, really, really fun really game. Though, yeah,
2: I feel like, I I feel like, you know, I'm, I was really just being playful. I don't want all my Western Kentucky faithful. You know, being a gal who was born... You're in Kentucky, just worried Jack Doyle's listening
1: to this podcast and he's going to get senior. mad at you. He's
2: like, don't come for the Hilltoppers. Like, you know, don't <laughs> underestimate us. So all in fun, all the respect to Mike White. I appreciate him and the time that he spent in Bowling Green.
1: All right. Well, this has been a really, really good visit with you, Colleen. Thank you so much for joining us. Going to be a really fun game on Thursday between the Colts and the Jets. The first Colts primetime home game since 2017 Colleen will be there with NFL Network watch the pregame show on NFL Network the postgame show also on NFL Network and then good morning football weekends with Colleen Wolf. Colleen thanks again for taking the time here and we'll see you on Thursday
2: I can't wait to see you guys we'll venture out to see you in the cold we'll brave the elements to join you out there yes Bring me, bring me everything you have. Bring me blankets, bring me hot cocoa, whatever it is. I need it. Done deal. (laughs) That's why they call it Hoosier Hospitality. We got you. Yes, thank you guys.
1: All right, well, Colleen will be at Lucas Oil Stadium on Thursday, as will I and Casey and Lara. And everyone here with the Indianapolis Colts on Colts.com on the Colts app, you can follow us. Oh, there. not just
2: all of us! I think all of Indianapolis will all be of there. Indianapolis. It's a blue out. The, Come Indiana- on, everywhere. You should. If you aren't, if you aren't planning to be, get there, get to the tailgates, get to all the establishments around downtown. This is an opportunity not just for the Indianapolis Colts, but for the Central Indiana football fandom to show up, rally in support, and really, you know, put this, uh, put Indianapolis again on the prime time map.
1: And look, I'll say this one last thing before we do get out of here. If, you know, I know the Colts are coming off a difficult loss to the Titans, but some numbers I like to look at are uh, football outsiders, their DVOA ratings, which I think are usually good indications of how good a team actually is. The Colts, yes, they're 3-5. They're 10th in DVOA right now. That's pretty good. Usually if you're 10th in DVOA halfway through the season, it means good things are coming the rest of the season. So stay tuned with us here on the Colts Audio Network. We're going to have plenty of content coming to you. I will have my usual post-game breakdown with Bill Brooks coming to you Friday morning. A special edition of Inside Football with Rick Venturi and Matt Taylor will also be out on Friday. So plenty of content for you to download, subscribe, and listen to over the weekend. The long weekend without Colts football. Remember, if you do like our episodes, if you like all of our episodes, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. Give us a five star rating and a good review for the Colts Audio Network. It'll help us get our podcasts into more earballs. You can follow me on Twitter at JJ It's again, follow Larry. Did you create on Twitter
2: a I just did I lo- did I like that ear a lot. Earballs,
1: ear I'm a big fan of I did say earballs. I did great. say earballs. That's I, I didn't create that. It. I'm just it's I, I wish I could say I came up with that, but it's just a straight up thing that I stole <laughs> from the TV show Archer. Um, I like it though. That's good.
2: Earballs.
1: Keep this using it you. though.
0: Keep I don't go know ahead. that I will. Well,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. She liked it until she was like, "Hey, you could use it, Lara." No, I'm good. Thanks.
1: No, I'm good. I'm good. No, it's too weird. That's too weird. Too weird. Anyways, if you like this show in your earballs again, please rate, review, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Anyways, again, follow me on Twitter at JJ Stankovitz. Follow Lara on Twitter at Lara Overton. And follow Casey on Twitter at C. Colts. The Goreman will be back next week for the next edition of the Colts official podcast. But until then, thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.